Dan's Driving Double Feature presents One Minute with European Zombies, circa 1980, episode 55. I'm Dan. I'm your host. Let's do this, everyone. What will we be doing? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're covering the 55th minutes of Zombie Lake and Burial Ground. At the end of the 54th minute of Zombie Lake, I was going to say Spitz and Shapiro. That's not right. It's Spitz and Moran are by the lake, and the zombies are rising out of the lake to get them. Listen. Zombies in Zombie Lake are starting to feel like the Cybermen in Tomb of the Cybermen. If you know the the um, the four part serial from the fifth season of Doctor Who, from sixty seven, like autumn of sixty seven, uh, the first like episode and two thirds is building up to where are the Cybermen? How do we get in the Tomb of the Cybermen? Then at the end of the second episode, I hope this isn't a spoiler. They free the Cybermen from the tomb, and then basically the Cybermen spend the next two episodes going back in their tomb, coming out of their tomb, going back in their tomb, and um, almost as if when they got to the point where they raised them from the tomb, the writers couldn't think of anything else for them to do. Zombie Lake has the zombies on the prowl. They don't actually do anything. Suddenly they're back in the lake. Now they're on the prowl again at the end of this minute. And Spitz and Moran are as ineffectual as... No. Most, I, that's me tapping my pen. Are you? Here's the thing. If, if you're watching this on the Blu-ray, Spit, the Spitz and Moran story is totally part of Chapter 6, which on the Blu-ray, uh, the chapter is titled Spitz and Moran with an exclamation point. It actually has the upside-down exclamation point at the beginning to tell you how awesome it's going to be. No, I'm lying. But Spitz and Moran are completely part of Chapter 6. They aren't, you know, it's just, you, you, if you go to Chapter 6, you'll, you know, the mayor is on his call. And chapter 6 ends with the zombies on the prowl again. And Spitz and Moran die in this minute they get killed in a really weird bunch of scenes where moran the guy who isn't the director kind of is killed almost like like the camera is afraid to look at him or something there's a weird shot where like he's being killed but the the camera like you can only see like the top Uh, it's it's like it's it's weird go go and watch it's it's actually more interesting that that sort of the last shot where that guy is getting killed there's like a little gorgeous little house on the edge of the the water uh, i don't know what that is but it's like there's some sweet ass you know real estate along zombie lake i don't know you know the lake of the dam be damned i'm gonna build a cute ass little house right here and it's gonna be awesome i don't know what else is going on in this oh yeah spitz and die oh boy 
Yeah, it's weird. I just scanned through it again. Yeah, and they sort of drag the one who isn't the director, Moran Spitz, kind of. It, it's funny. They have the camera set in one spot where the, the, the zombies kind of grab him and pull him into the background. And when they drop him in the background, you can't really see them anymore. But the shot doesn't change. It just kind of sits there and it cuts to the director being killed. And then it cuts back to that shot where you can't really see fully what's happening. Almost as if, I, I, I don't know, I was going to say it's almost like um Michael J. Murphy Invitation to Hell thing, if you've ever seen that. Great short film. Uh, not the Wes Craven Invitation to Hell with Susan Lucci uh, and Robert Urich, I think, um, uh, which is super fun also. But the, the Invitation to Hell, um, that's me tapping my pen on top of my... I got a pen in my hand. I, sh- I shouldn't do this because I'm, I'm, I'm hitting everything. Hey, dinner time, everyone. Um, for Spitz and Moran, a little um, French food for Spitz and Moran. In memoriam. What was I saying? Oh, yes. Um, I shouldn't have a pen in my hand because I tap it on everything. Oh, Invitation to Hell. Some of the shots are framed really weird in that movie. And I have the DVD of that, which only had like a 500 limited edition thing. Sacrophilius or something like that. I think they only released the one film on DVD. They released Michael J. Murphy in like 82. He made two short films, the 40-minute long Invitation to Hell and the 50-minute long The Last Night. And I don't know if they were meant to play as a double feature, sort of like a 90-minute thing in the theaters, but they came out originally on video in Britain together. And then Last Night never came out properly in America, but Invitation to Hell did. And I actually have two copies of it on VHS. It's weird because the the DVD is widescreen, which means you can see... Okay, let me get to the point. I'm wondering if it was something that was off with like maybe the the, 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 the camera. Because in Invitation to Hell, there are several shots where things are really weirdly framed. And I think I've said this before. I know I've said this before. And forgive me, because it comes up again. There's a bit where there's like a costume party. And our main gal, who's dressed as the Bride of Frankenstein, shows up. And the guy who owns the house they're in is Jekyll and Hyde. And one side of his face is just regular. And then when he turns, it's all like hairy, like werewolf and Hyde. And the thing is, he goes, meet me, Dr. Jekyll. And then he turns, Mr. Hyde. But be- the the framing was off because... Oh, I'm not going to go into it. I think I've gone into this before. But but certain cameras, when you would look through the, the uh, eyepiece, you were actually seeing like slightly to the left of what the viewfinder was seeing. And so what they would do is they would tape it off. Some of the cameras, when you look through the eyepiece, you see through the lens. But some of them, and I've used a camera like this um, uh, back in film school, you, you're actually, like I said, you're actually seeing straight ahead, you know, because the viewfinder is, pokes out from the camera. So you're seeing straight on. So you're seeing like two, three inches that way. And so what they do is they would mark it off in somehow within the, within the, the, the viewfinder. So you could see like, this is what's in the frame. I forget what the story Michael J. Murphy tells. Either he didn't know it was like that or it wasn't marked off right. So a lot of Invitation to Hell is shot off, shot like two two inches to the left or something. So when that guy does the Jekyll and Hyde thing, he's like, meet me, Dr. Jekyll. And you could see all the hair on the, on the other side of his face and Mr. Hyde. And so when he turns, it's like, huh, that looked weird. But then when you realize that he thought he was shooting it right, but he wasn't, there you go. I could talk about those films for ages. I should do a minute by minute doing Invitation to Hell in the last night. Um, it's weird to... I almost feel like I should do Invitation to Hell from the VHS 
um, simply because it, well, it's weird. The the I'm I'm off on a tangent here because all that happens is this man spits a meringue killed and the zombies go on a rampage again. Uh, and Miranda's killed. Like like I said, it looks like the viewfinder is like the 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 framing is off because he gets pulled like behind this log, and you expect to see him getting attacked in the way that you see the director getting attacked in a really weird fashion by two zombies who are like going mm, 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 on the side of the director's face. Just come to me, boys. Give me everything you've got. Mm, yes. Uh, and the director doesn't. You know, I guess he dies. Okay. He spits some blood out of his mouth. These two goofy looking zombies who aren't fully make up kind of suck at the side of his face and Miranda can't see what happens to him because he goes out of frame I, I, maybe it was a viewfinder thing maybe it was meant to be it's so horrific what's happening to him that we're not supposed to see it but I should do the VHS of Invitation to Hell is the theatrical which cuts some gore out not much but some but also has a sequence where two guys are fighting by a campfire that goes on for like 400 hours the DVD adds back in the gore but trims like 30 seconds to a minute out of the fight so it's kind of like eh, it's not as bad as splatter farm on dvd compared to the donna michelle vhs but it is like eh, you know oh gosh you know mm. i i i don't know which one to watch uh, if I were to do uh, that, um, oh, and for those of you listening to one who are listening to my one minute with Blood Lake and Iced um, podcast and enjoyed it, my dog George somehow got my Iced VHS in the case, you know, the original case. The tape is fine, but he ripped the VHS cover to shreds. Ugh. So yeah. So what happens this minute? Spits and Moranga killed. Ineffectual. The most ineffectual. And the zombies go on a rampage again. I guess I will end this minute where not much happens, but you see how, I mean, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, do, I'll say two more things and then I'll wrap this minute up. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but I'm feeling tangential today. But um, are they the most ineffective cops in horror movie history? I was, of course, going to bring up the cop and stepfather, Possibly the cop and he knows you're alone, but he's a little bit more in uh, effectual. But the cop and stepfather to me was always the the height of that. But is it more ineffectual to spend sort of to say they've spent years on a case and then to have what happens in stepfather? I'm not going to spoil it happen. Or is it more ineffectual to have two cops wander into a town, go, okay, we're going to investigate this and get killed in like a half an hour, you know, or an hour? You know, I don't. I don't know which one is worse. Um, and, but I, I do like too that you know they're like, you know, the filmmakers are like, okay, these cops aren't going to be worth anything, but um, let's bring them in and get rid of them, and that's that. That's that done, and now we can go on to something else. What they're going to go on to, I don't know. But uh, oh, and one more. Th- this is this is the final. Sorry, folks. This is the final. So if you're facing a lake where all the zombies are rising out of, how can you get snuck, sneaked, sneaked up on, snuck up on? How could so? How can a zombie sneak, sneak up on you? Because that's what happens to the director here. He is facing the lake, seeing the zombies, pointing with his gun. One is approaching him, and one sneaks up behind him uh, from behind the gal's van. How'd you get back there? How'd you do that? I mean, the lake is in front of them, and the zombies are coming out of the lake. How'd you, was he a late arrival? You know, after like, did he have a daughter to visit? Did he just spent too long there? He's like, hey guys, I'm coming back. To- oh crap! And you know, it's like zombie attack. I don't know, but how, you know, how does he sneak up on him? Why ask these questions in Zombie Lake? 
I don't know. There's only one other zombie film I could think where you want to ask a smaller amount. I was going to say lesser, fewer. Lesser amount of these questions? Uh, And that would be Burial Ground. And so Burial Ground ended with Evelyn and Michael... You know, the lady who's Michael's mom, she sees a zombie approaching and she's pulling out a sword while the two guys are trying to save Janet in the room with the fireplace. Let's dive in. Ma goes a little nuts on the zombie hand of the zombie trying to crawl in through the window. What is this room they're in? Because they're like, they're, it's such a thin room, isn't it? Isn't it thin? I mean, like you come in through the door and directly to your right, there's like windows and, and, and the door that was crashed through. But then directly to the left, there's another window. It's, it's like the world's thinnest room. I'd love to know where this is. In the house, in the villa. Now that I've seen the uh, extra, you know it doesn't. See this. This is this is why you should hire me to do extras for your DVDs and Blu-rays. Why you also shouldn't hire me. Okay, Dan. Discuss the history of the villa. Discuss the. Where did that scene take place? Can I see that room? Where Where did that door go? Where did that door lead? No one cares, Dan. No, no. Everyone cares. They just don't know that they care yet. They will know soon. All right. So this, the all the this this has a bunch of I guess Gru in it. Um, I don't know if you can call it gore because it's like smashing zomb- zombie gloves and and smashing fake zombie heads. And then there's a weird shot right at the end where it I, I can't. I mean I'm like so so what's Mark smashes the zombie head who's attacking our writer guy a few times. And it's funny and it's mushy and it's actually not that mushy. It's more it's more sort of paper mache crinkly. Uh, it's like you're destroying my you know fifth grade English project, and there's just some weird like grue dripping in one scene, and I can't. Well, I think it also ends the minute. I I don't fully I can't fully make out what it's dripping on even in the even in the blue it's tough to figure out what the heck it's dripping on it's just like ugh and it's one of those shots like right at the end of the minute look at look at that shot like it's one of those shots where you kind of watch it and you go and and maybe your brain kind of goes click off okay next next shot because you're looking at it going i don't know what i just witnessed you know is that like so is that is that grew is that yuck dripping from the hand of the zombie that evelyn I, you know, the mom just smashed the hand of, or is that from the head of the of the zombie that was strangling with a lot of worms on it? That zombie that was strangling um the writer guy. 
Uh, and it's nice. It's nice to see that um, you know, although we hear uh, Janet, we don't see Janet in this. You know, let's forget about Janet for now. One of these dopes who ran in to protect her is now getting strangled by these zombies. These hundreds of year old zombies who. Um, I guess they got strength to them. I don't know. You, like I've said before, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think they had too much strength to them. But yeah, this minute is yeah, Evelyn or uh, mom smashing the zombie hand, and then and then the other guy getting strangled by the zombie. I like that the zombie strangling him. Like oh, I'm gonna strangle you. You know, it takes longer to strangle people than you'd think. I was uh, torn curtain. Anybody. And it's almost it's almost goofy when it cuts to the writer being strangled. It's like he's strangling you. There are like three zombies in that room, and one of them was able to start strangling you. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. I still got that damn pen in my hand, and I'm still talking about burial ground and zombie lake. So I need to stop it. Saying, stop making sense is what I need to stop saying. Stop not making no. Stop making stop not. He's guilty of not stealing the money. That's from um. Not guilty. A Green Acres episode where. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but um, it's it's a great line if you know the episode. I'm sorry, folks. I, it's 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 weird to watch because yeah, Evelyn goes she goes crazy on this zombie, and even Michael gives a look like oh, she goes crazy on the zombie hand, like Corey Feldman goes crazy on Jason. Die, die at the end of Friday Thirteen, the final chapter. Or I kind of think, oh gosh, I didn't realize that five six years ago more than that seven eight years ago i saw a double feature at the new bev on a sunday no sunday afternoon um and i specifically went because they were showing this double feature twice in the day and i knew no one would be there sunday afternoon and i wanted to experience the film with a smaller crowd um that rather than a big crowd who might be laughing at it um but it was a double feature of friday the 13th the final chapter and final exam uh, Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter. I the day before I'm recording this, I saw for the second time on the big screen. It's you know Friday the Thirteenth was sort of the flagship slasher franchise circa 1984, and so what it was doing exactly what it thought it needed to do to make the big bucks. Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter is dumb in ways that are astounding, um, and. Um, yeah, I can't even describe it. You you need to kind of see it on the big screen to see like to like all the dumb dialogue, all the dumb characters, the characters who are kind of indistinguishable from one another. I mean, like characters like Judy Aronson. I don't know the name of her character, but I love her to pieces, and she's an American ninja and a bunch of other films that I love. So I know who she is. I know who Crispin Glover is. You know, I know who Kimberly Beck is. You know, she was in Massacre at Central High. She was in the second regular episode of BJ the Bear Shine On with Janet Julian. You know, I know who they are. So the folks I know who, who they're, uh, I, I can focus on, but I don't know who their characters are. And there's so much other stuff in there because they're really just piling on characters to kill them. The joy of Friday 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, is it doesn't even try to pretend like we care about the characters. It introduces people. You don't know who they are. Some of them don't even have names. Uh, and then it kills them. Yeah. There you go. Like, Don't Go in the Woods does the same thing. Final chapter is sort of the last vestige of trying to give the character something. Maybe not the hitchhiker uh, with a banana. 
But there are so many bits in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, that seem to go nowhere. Scenes that go for 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and then suddenly go to another scene. You're like, what was that scene for? I, I guess I know what that scene for, but there's no real character development in the film. So what was that for? And then there are things like, where'd the mom go? What happened to the mom? Now, apparently, thank you, Jared. Uh, he, a friend of mine told me this. There was a scene shot with the mom. I guess it's on the Blu-ray set that I have. I need to check it out. Uh, where where Joseph Zito used the ending of The Prowler. Um, but still, the fact that it's not there in the actual movie means like the mom gets a false scare, which apparently kills her. And it's so dumb. And, and it really is all about the gore. And there were moments during it where I kind of looked away because the time was so bad but I still love it I've seen it 25 times I guess over the past 30 years um, but that movie ends with um, someone killing the killer and then the killer snapping back to life and the person going bat pardon my French shit crazy on them in the way that Evelyn goes bat ass crazy on zombie hand here that's Corey Feldman's character final exam does the same thing Courtney knocks the killer off the tower. Well, down the tower, in the center of the tower. A Hartnell Tower? I forget what the name of the tower is. Um, uh, and then as she's walking out of the tower, he grabs her ankle and she just goes crazy, stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him. And frankly, it's a little more uh, real, I think, when Courtney does it than Corey Feldman does it. Because when Corey Feldman does it, you just get this thump, thump thump and you don't get gore flying everywhere whereas Courtney the more she stabs the more she gets blood all over her hands and the more she like at one point she's like stabbing and stabbing as she brushes the hair back away from her eyes and keeps on stabbing Evelyn does that, that was a long tangent to say that um, this is a long tangent episode I'm 55 episodes into this folks I'm allowed tangents because again the these are sometimes you get minutes where not much happens and this is Evelyn going nuts on the zombie hand um, and then uh, Mark smashing the zombie head in that weird drippy shot and um, my pen again and yeah I mean I it looks like they're going to go away from the zombies in this room I, I would imagine they would um, it's too bad that in a villa this size we suddenly like literally wind up in like a corner I mean it's like when they open the door to the room, you could see a hallway. So there's a huge hallway, which probably goes into other rooms. But when you go to this room, you get a big room with like three or four doors. And then this little room with the fireplace with no way out. And it's like literally somehow we backed ourselves into the tiniest space in the villa. And are now having to fight off three flesh-eating zombies. And, and the mom is, is smashing at another one. Although I thought there was another one there too. But... Yeah, it's it's um it's not a weird minute. It's it's a burial ground minute, baby. Hey, baby, it's burial ground. All right. So that is the end of uh, fifty five. Fifty five. Where are we? What, what do we have left? We have. Yeah, we've got a half an hour left of burial ground. Thirty. Well, eighty five minutes and twelve seconds. I forget if that twelve seconds is a Severin logo or it's actually something. Um, but yeah, so we got about 30 more episodes of Burial Ground, like 37, 38 minutes more of Zombie Lake, I think. I'll, I'll, we'll come back to it. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And um, I guess we'll wrap up with this. 
Thank you.